0: Good morning, everyone. Jim Laird here live in Largo, Florida. Let me tell you what, the fall and the spring here in Florida is insane. As somebody that grew up in Northern Canada, um, I really appreciate the fall and, and the uh, and the, the spring here, but uh, beautiful morning this morning. I've got Christian Thibodeau with me this morning a uh, great strength coach who I've been following for a, a very long time. You know, Christian, um, one of the things I appreciate about you, I've followed you since you're on T Nation from the beginning. I think Poliquin is the one that made me aware of you originally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you're a fellow Canadian, but one of the things I appreciate about you is you always give the pros and cons of everything. I think, you know, in this space, unfortunately, People get in these camps, like whether it's, you know, it's yeah. West Side or dog crap training or Mike Menzer, or, you know, they'll have success with whether it's a training modality or they'll have success, whether it's a diet. Uh, you know, I've tried them all. I'm sure you have Body Opus, Dan Shane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Deepa stuff. I mean, we've all experimented with this stuff mm-hmm. and everybody they'll have success with one modality for a certain period of time. And they think everyone has to do that. Right, right. right and you've always done a really good job of explaining the pros and cons of everything saying hey this this might work for you but it might not and and like you um i originally got into fasting because of ori hofmeckler and the warrior diet and i was like this is great i can you know i can i'm already big and muscular so i can stay lean and i can eat pizza right. and ice cream and he actually encouraged that you know yeah, yeah. um so you know we see this constantly in our practice and my coaching career. It's the it's the busy mom, you know, not sleeping well, taking care of everyone else Her circadian rhythm is busted. Mm. Um, she's training, she's trying to burn fat. And she goes on a low carb diet or a keto diet or carnivore. And then the wheels just come right off the wagon. Um, You know, could you explain the mechanisms of yeah. why this is like for people that are highly stressed, mm-hmm. people that are running around like a chicken with their head cut off that, that low carb and, and keto or fasting might not be the best tool for them at the moment?
1: Right. Well, actually, the, the, the thing that will help people understand why they might not be suited for them is actually the mechanism that makes some people feel good on them, mm-hmm. namely that it does increase both cortisol and adrenaline. Uh, that, that's something that that happens when you are either deprived of food or if you're deprived of carbohydrates it, it basically keep your body in that hyperactive mode it does favor the increase of cortisol and be, the reason for that is you need to understand that the functions of cortisol well, well first cortisol is not the enemy right it, it, it's needed for survival it's actually needed to perform well in the gym if you try to inhibit cortisol completely Uh, then you cannot perform. I'm going to explain why. The problem becomes when cortisol becomes chronically elevated. Okay. Normally, you would increase cortisol when you're facing a stressful situation. Let's say you are uh, in a jungle and you have to fight a tiger or run away from the tiger, right? Or if you're in a gym and you need to lift a big ass barbell, otherwise the barbell kills you, right? Uh, Or any kind of situation requiring a lot of mental focus, awareness as well as competitiveness. The reason that is that cortisol, once it's released in that stressful situation, it will itself release the increase uh, increase the release of adrenaline, especially at the, the cortical or brain level. What happens is that cortisol tells the essentially the body to convert no adrenaline, which is a neurotransmitter that, that we have and that is very important for focus and concentration and it will convert it into adrenaline, which is the fight or flight neurotransmitter, right? And that actually makes you feel good. Because it gives you energy, it gives you drives, it, it gives you the sensation of energy. It's not energy, it's just that you are amping your brain up, right? Uh, so, so people who start, uh, let's say intermittent fasting or keto, they are often flabbergasted that at first, they have tons of energy to This keto or intermittent fasting is awesome. It gives me energy. Well, the energy comes at a price, okay? Because if that cortisol constantly is being pumped out and adrenaline constantly is being high, it will have several drawbacks. The first one is that it will completely screw up your sleep. The reason for that is that you cannot go to sleep if your brain is amped up. Or hyperactive. You go to bed, you twist and turning, you're creating scenarios, stories in your head, you're thinking about this, thinking about that. The reason why people the main reason why people can't sleep is that when they go to bed, instead of being in that rest and recover mode, they are still in that do shit mode, right? Because of adrenaline. It, that that's the activation hormone, neurotransmitter. You, you need to Increase more melatonin, and melatonin and cortisol are opposite hormones. You cannot have high melatonin if cortisol is high. And melatonin needs to be released when you initiate your sleep or, or resting routine at home. It should start to elevate at like 5 or 6 p.m. to gradually help you relax and go to bed. Right? People who rely on melatonin pills. They take that right before sleeping. That won't do shit because it it doesn't it's not a sleeping pill it just tells your body now we are in the rest and recover mode part of the day right but if cortisol and adrenaline stay high at 6 7 p.m. you cannot shut down your brain so you go to bed and your brain still think it, it's it's being active and the fact is that low carbs and food deprivation can potentiate that because the second function of cortisol is to make sure that when you are in that stressful situation you don't run out of resources to fight that situation let's say you're fighting a tiger right the last thing you want is run out of energy so you can't fight anymore or can't run away anymore so cortisol on top of increasing adrenaline to amp you up increasing the sensation of strength of power of well-being of competitiveness it will also increase the mobilization of stored energy people think that cortisol is a fat gain hormone. In fact, it's a fat loss hormone. The the main function of cortisol is to mobilize stored energy. And when bodybuilders are afraid of cortisol because they, they think that it's gonna eat away your muscle, that's actually part of that function. It will break down any stored energy to make it available so that you don't die while fighting a tiger, right? The problem is that when cortisol is high, the body doesn't know if it's from a tiger or from not paying your taxes. Or having marital problems or conjugate problems or financial issues. You just know that there's a risk and you need to mobilize everything. So, cortisol will increase glucose mobilization. So, it will break down muscle glycogen to make it into glucose. That can actually lead to high blood sugar, uh, which can lead to insulin resistance. That's another side effect of elevated cortisol. Uh, And I'm going to get back to that when we talk about intermittent fasting in a moment. Um, But because uh, oddly enough, and Okay, I, I, I'm often go on tangent. So sorry about that. I'm going to try to bring it home afterward. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, a lot of people who do keto dieting, and I've known that for a long time, but I didn't know it, meaning I've observed it among bodybuilders that have used keto dieting with or, or low carbs dieting with, but didn't know what was happening until I've read some studies about that is that if you are on a keto or low carbs diet for a while, You actually become insulin resistant at first when you start from a i'm going to eat crap diet to low carbs dieting your insulin sensitivity will improve at first okay but if you stay on that for a longish term you become resistant especially at the muscle level your muscles become resistant to insulin and i've seen that in bodybuilders who spend the whole contest prep dieting on low carbs then they try to fill out for the competition by eating a boatload of carbs, and they just can't fill out. They just can't. Okay, and that's it's a protective mechanism because if the body wants its blood glucose to be stable, and obviously if you don't eat carbs, it's kind of hard to maintain that blood glucose level elevated. The only way to do it is to pump out cortisol to mobilize stored blood sugar, uh, glycogen in the muscle. So that's why cortisol is chronically elevated when you are doing a keto diet. Because you need to keep that blood sugar uh, stable, so you constantly need to mobilize short muscle glycogen, and the hormone that does that is principally or mostly cortisol. Glucagon also plays a role, and we're also one of it. Now, getting back to the insulin-resistant thing. Because it becomes harder to keep a stable blood sugar level on a keto diet, the body will actually make the muscles resistant to insulin. Why? Because it doesn't want to send the blood glucose to the muscles. That's what insulin does. Insulin is a hormone that tells the body to clear out the nutrients from the bloodstream. People think that the purpose of insulin is to drive nutrients into the muscle. That's a side effect. That's a side effect. The role of insulin is to avoid high blood sugar level. And But if you're taking out the glucose from the bloodstream, it must go somewhere. The nutrients must go somewhere. The fatty acids must go somewhere. So they either are stored in the muscle or in the fat cells or in the liver, mostly. So so if you make the muscles insulin resistant, then you are less likely to clear out that blood glucose and send it to the muscles. So it's easier to maintain a stable blood sugar level. And that's something that I've seen if you go on keto dieting for more than six to eight weeks. okay, yep. uh, It becomes really, really hard. To, and obviously that will negatively impact your training, your recovery, your anabolism. Uh, so, so that's my tangent. But to get back to the topic, cortisol's main function, when it comes to energy, it will break down muscle glycogen, will break down fatty acids and protein to be used for fuel. So if you are constantly in a state of low carbohydrates, So your keto dieting or your intermittent fasting, so you have no nutrients coming in, it means that the blood sugar level will be lower than usual, which can be good a good thing if it's too high. It's better too low than too high. But if you're bordering hypoglycemia, that's not healthier. So the body, because it wants to maintain balance, when it senses that blood glucose is low, it will force the release of cortisol to bring up blood glucose level. So you're basically spending the whole day in a high cortisol state. Now, remember that a hormone cannot be dissociated from one of its functions. So, yeah, okay, you cannot say I'm going to take the glucose mobilization function of cortisol, but I'm not going to take the adrenaline boosting function. That doesn't work like that. If cortisol is released, it will do everything it does. And that means increasing adrenaline. So adrenaline will be released and that makes it a lot harder to sleep during the during the, the night. That would be the main issue, the secondary issue, and that's the reason why you will have a lot of people, and that's the, I would say, the, the, the worst situation. You go on a keto dieting, you go on intermittent fasting, and you feel great for four weeks. The first dude, That's like a godsend. Uh, My anxiety is is gone. I'm alpha male. I'm confident. I'm driven. I can do shit during the day. The problem is that after like five weeks, it becomes the complete opposite. You crash badly. Now, the problem is during those four weeks, you feel so good that you basically make yourself part of the cult. You become convinced that it's great because it does. So when you start to feel like crap, you assume that it's something else. Maybe something is wrong with your training, with your whatever, but you never blame the nutrition because the first four weeks were so great. But what is happening is that by that happens
0: in the vegan community too, Absolutely. right? And well, the wheels come off the wagon and they're like, oh, it can't be the fact that I'm only eating vegetables.
1: Yeah, but the, the, the vegan, it would be for slightly different reasons, but it's happening. Right. Any restrictive diet. Right. First, I'm going to get back to that, but from from a vegan perspective, it's also cortisol but mostly because if you are vegan, it's extremely hard to not be in a caloric deficit. Yes. That's why these guys are like, are in the face and all skinny for the most well, part. Well, that's why
0: cows and gorillas, they eat all day. Yeah. In order to get the amino acids they need, they have to eat constantly. That's mm-hmm. all they do is eat. And yeah. personally, I don't wanna spend, you know, 20 hours of my day eating, you know, the amount of broccoli I would need to get the same nutrients I can get from from six ounces of steak, you know, yes. it's just like
1: <laughs> no, It's crazy. And, and from a taste perspective, that's also another issue. But but the fact is that I mean, if you want to do veganism the right way, as you mentioned, you need to basically spend your whole life eating, okay. Uh, and but but most people don't do that, obviously, so they are left in a situation where they are constantly in a calorie deficit. Now, even if you have carbs coming in from fruits and whatever, if you're in a deficit, it's the same thing. If you're in a deficit, you still need to constantly mobilize stored energy to function because you're not giving your body enough energy, right? So what is increased when you need to mobilize energy? Cortisol. So you once again have an increase in cortisol, which increases adrenaline, which makes you uh, eventually resistant to adrenaline and also having sleep issues. Plus on a vegan side, they will be short, they will be deficient in vitamin B12, which will affect the whole methylation cycle, which will actually magnify the cortisol's response, and that's what—that's the main reason, the methylation cycle, the lack of B twelve behind uh, the higher rate of depression uh, among vegan. Although, I mean, if I had to eat broccoli every single day, uh, every meal, I would probably be depressed, be depressed too. But anyway, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, so getting back to that, so the fact that you are uh, constantly pumping out adrenaline because of the cortisol means that your adrenergic receptors, the receptors in in your body, which is fine fine in in your brain, in your muscles, in your heart, in many tissues, uh, they all have receptors that interact with adrenaline, right? But these are the receptors that become resistant the easiest. And it's fairly easy to understand, because let's let's take another receptor, let's take estrogen, or, or even let's say testosterone or androgen receptors. Let's say that you you find a bottle of testosterone suspension, okay, and you inject five grams of testosterone in one shot, which is probably not a super smart thing to do, but you will not die. Worst case scenario, you're gonna have the hardest boner in the history of mankind, and some uh, elevated blood pressure for a day or two. Yeah,
0: but you're my- gonna be you're gonna be very angry too. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But there's no risk for for, for your your health. Whereas if you overload the adrenaline receptors, then your heart rate can go up because there are receptors on the brain. So the more you amp yourself up, you can reach dangerously high level of uh, of heart rate and blood pressure, which can actually lead to something called dying, which is a bit worse than a heart boner as far as side effects are concerned, right? Right. So, So to protect yourself against that happening, those receptors are extremely easy to desensitize or downregulate them. The slightest increase in, let's say if someone, if someone, and I'm sadly talking from experience because I had my, my rave experiences. Uh, anytime I, I would take something that would affect the adrenergic systems, like, like amphetamines, for example, or ephedrine or something like that. Uh, obviously, I feel like an alpha version of myself, but the next day I'm super depressed. And I essentially have no sexual function. And that's because I'm actually becoming resistant to my own adrenaline in as little as one day. That's a protective mechanism. Uh, So so because it it becomes desensitized so easily, if you constantly bombard those beta-adrenergic receptors with the adrenaline because of the high cortisol that's high all day, what happens is you make your receptors less and less and less responsive to your own adrenaline. So, at first, you feel amazing because you're constantly in that high adrenaline, amped up state, like I'm at right now, which is the best version of myself. But I'm going to pay a price later because if you desensitize those receptors, you can no longer get amped up. So, you are constantly in the opposite state basically lazy, unmotivated, depressed, low self esteem, low self confidence. So a lot of people will now resolve uh, on. I'm going to drink tons of caffeine to, to get the, the work done.
0: Modafinil, Adderall, yeah. you know, name, you know, we know we, we've struggled with both. Both of us struggle with stimulants, you know, yeah,
1: absolutely. And, yeah. and
0: you know, I'm glad you brought up chronic stress because, we. you know, I compare modern life to going outside, getting in your car in the driveway, putting it in park and revving the shit out of it yeah. all day, you know, right. and never driving anywhere. Yeah. Right. And so you get these people there, you know, cortisol is amazing too. When you're under, when you're in that, that stress state, everything feels great. You feel Mm -hmm. no pain. Everything's great until you hit that resistance point, like you said, and the wheels come off the bus. That's why when I work with people, especially women, women in particular are more sensitive to this. Men tend to be a little more resilient from an Mm -hmm. endocrine system Mm -hmm. standpoint is getting their respiratory rate down, getting that chronic stress, teaching them to shut off um, because you know, they just, they, they can't relax and they can't sleep. They don't go outside. They're, 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 they're and the, most of these people are highly driven. Mm-hmm. So first thing that comes into their mind is I have to do more. Obviously I'm not training hard enough or I'm not doing mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to get the system to shut off so we can allow the system right. to recover and relax and get themselves back yep. on the, on the right, on the right path, you know? And unfortunately a lot of the people that we deal with are highly driven highly successful. And it's very hard for them to like, you know, the key is to go for a 10 minute walk three times a day, get outside, mm-hmm. get your sleep in order, you know, do some breathing drills before bed to help you relax. Mm-hmm. The, you know, most of the people that we deal with, and even with ourselves, you know, it, it took me destroying my health several occasions, mm-hmm. I believe you're in the same boat before I finally had to realize Like after I do a podcast, I have to go sit quietly and breathe right. through my nose and relax and chill, yep. especially strength coaches fall into this. Like, yep. you know, you've got four to six group sessions a day and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I've got to be animated, especially working with big teams. Like, you know, when I was working at the University of Arizona, you you couldn't, I mean, you're working with 80 football players. You can't just stand there and be like, do, 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 you know, yep. so you reach for the spike, you reach for the ephedra you know and then on top of that you throw in you know ultra low carb i mean you're just wrecking yourself i've found that you know particularly with women you know a lot of my business people they want the best of both worlds right so there was a guy named Kiefer who did carb night carb backloading Mm -hmm. i've found for those people that want to do the the best of they kind of want the best of both they want that focus during the day the low carb you know deal and then they add some carbohydrates at night it helps them sleep it helps them relax it helps them recover from training I've, I've found that works fairly yes. well for me when I do fast, I make sure on those fasting days, I'm walking, mm-hmm. I'm meditating, I'm trying not to to, to, to basically go, go crazy. And then on the days I train, I actually overeat. You know, I want that, that benefit of holding more water, you know, so to protect my joints so I can train more explosively. I want to use that glycolytic pathway a lot of people don't understand the consequences and a lot of people will fast and they'll still train like a maniac. It's a great
1: tool, but you've got to adjust your training yeah, according yeah. to what you're doing. So many different things I want to comment on because it's lots of great stuff you mentioned. Uh, the first thing, the simplest one, I'll just it's an explanation why women are more at risk than men from the high cortisol issue. Uh, two things. First, they have a higher glutamate level and glutamate makes you more sensitive to cortisol's action. Uh glutamate is essentially an emotional amplifier. Uh, it, its real function is it, it improves memorization, memory. Uh, but the way it does that is by amplifying the emotional state you're in. Because the way the brain works is it, it we have a selective memory. We cannot store everything in our brain, right? So, so the first pass to see what is important or not is the emotional state you are in when it happens. The more emotional you are when something happens the more your brain thinks it's important so glutamate by amplifying emotion both good and bad which is why women also have higher like roller coaster emotion because of high glutamate uh, estrogen increases glutamate and glutamate increases sensitivity to cortisol second reason is the ratio of dhea uh, to cortisol has been shown to be the main factor involved in resiliency so people who are naturally resilient will have a higher DHE to cortisol ratio, and obviously men to have, tend to have a higher DHE level than women. That's why DHE supplementation, especially in form of cream, work really, really well with women, but doesn't do much for for men because it's not the limiting factor. Anyway, also uh, when you mention, uh, you know, okay, the fasting, it's funny because subconsciously I came with the same uh, the same conclusion as you did. That the day I'm fasting because I'm I'm using fasting as a tool. For example, when I'm presenting on a seminar, I'm fasted during the day because I I'm willing to pay a small price at the end of the day for being more in a moment, more being more more productive in a moment, uh, and so it's something I will often use as a tool, and it's also a good way to establish a caloric deficit without having to have a large deficit on any single day so what one, one thing i i did was i, I a plan i use myself oftentimes i call it primer 52 which essentially has two intermittent fasting days or fasting days in the week but these are always on uh either mobility or just walking days it's never training days never training days and oftentimes i would put the day afterwards, because it's my highest carb day, would be more of a hypertrophy session and the strength day would be the, the, the second day afterwards because now your glycogen stores are full, you're in water, so you're stronger. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. People are, are, the problem is that losing fat or improving your body composition is an, emo, is an emotional thing. You, you look at yourself in the mirror and you want that to be changed right now. So they are willing to throw all the tools at the same time. It's like medication. I mean, medication have interactions with each other. Same thing with training and nutrition. I mean, intermittent fasting is a good tool if it's done with everything that should go with intermittent fasting, which is parasympathetic work, relaxing work, because it's just too easy to get overly amped up. Like yesterday I had a fast day, but I spent a whole day at the beach with my wife and kids. So that's the kind of, and I walked all day because it's, it's freaking hot there and just want to go from pool or beach uh and so on and so forth i had to go in the car but we had like something like twenty thousand steps during the day uh, when i'm on vacation uh I, I often fast during those days so i can enjoy the buffet and, and the good food at the end but Absolutely. i'm just relaxing during the day fasting and high stress level is the worst mix in of mankind. it will destroy both your neurology your psychology and as well as your physique so it, it's a tool that can be used in the right mental and physical state, meaning that when you can relax, so in fact, that like teaching, I, mean, I always say that one of the best skill you can teach a client as a coach is the capacity to train hard. I mean, especially the newer generation, people just don't train hard anymore. They want to train a lot. They can train a boatload, they will do 30 sets for biceps, okay, they can do that they can do volume, but none of these sets are actually hard, right? But but and it it might somewhat work because of the sheer amount of loading on the tissue. But there's also a problem that comes with it. Uh, It's certainly not efficient, but but they just don't have that skill to work hard anymore. Uh, So the things you need to teach a client for training is to train hard and using good form when it comes to life. I think that the capacity to go from here to here. So to relax yourself is the best skill you can teach to a client because life will throw shit at you, and if, let's say, having a, a, an incident in traffic in the morning ruins the whole day because you're mad and pissed the whole day, that then stress is winning. You're not.
0: Well, it comes down to variability, right? Is high blood pressure bad? Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah. If I'm chasing you with a machete, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is low blood pressure bad? If, if it's great if you're trying to go to sleep, if I'm chasing you with a machete, it's not so good. <laughs> the ability to switch back and forth, right? So you get these people that have no metabolic flexibility and then they throw fasting in there. Yeah. And it's like that's just not a good strategy. Like no, you know, the foundational habits of like walking outside, you know, eating a protein at every meal, you know, getting the lights off at night, you know, drinking high quality water, having good social connection. That's the foundation that your training should be built on. Right. And then you can throw these little modalities in from time to time and guess what they're not going to work forever you're going to have to change modalities from time to time but most people are just jumping between these fancy modalities and they don't have any kind of foundation Mm -hmm. Uh, and the thing i see especially with the younger generation you know you and i i think we're roughly the same age i mean our childhoods we spent hours hours playing outside you know hockey you know our we had good physical education in canada i don't know what it's like now but had gymnastics in 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 school we had dance we had you know we learned how to play squash and 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 badminton and we did everything you know so when i went and I also did manual labor so when i went to football practice or wrestling practice it was a joke right we could handle hard training most of these people today these kids they they don't have the foundation where their body can actually handle hard training so really honestly in the next you know five to ten years as strength and conditioning coaches we're going to become basically physical education teachers mm. giving these people what they should have had from the beginning so we can actually do some cool training right you know because most of these people i see today you know, you put them on a real basic you know you put them on like push the prowler do some carries do some bear crawls for six to eight weeks and wow they're, they've made massive improvement because they didn't have any foundation at all. You know, you Wendler,
1: Wendler, Jim Wendler was mentioning that at first when he was working with his high school football team, all they did yes. was like body squats, squat, ups, and they all made massive improvements. But but it, it, it's what, what I define the modern, the younger athlete as highly specialized motor morons. Yeah. Like they are, if you have a hockey player, it will be extraordinarily skilled at hockey because yeah. he essentially does that year round. Yep. But it has no other motor skills, no other motor skills. And the problem is that that is extremely limiting and will lead to injuries. And many studies yep. are, are showing that single sport athletes are at higher risk of injuries. But, but even worse than that is that at least those are doing some sport. But the fact is that even back in our day, everybody was active. I mean, yep. the biggest nerd in the class was still doing several sports because of physical education, which we had like three week, three times a week, something like that. Yeah, um, now it's like once a week, if that and it's funny because my, my father was actually uh, when he was a college professor, he was involved in a study. They uh, they did an experimentation when they increased, they doubled the amount of physical education classes while reducing some, of course, math and, and French classes because, uh, well, you can't stay in school forever at that time. And what they found first after the whole year, those who had doubled the physical education had better grades even in math and English and French, than those who didn't have the the added physical education but had more math classes. And second is that they did a follow-up study 20 years later. And the people involved in the test group, which was twice as much physical education, were a lot more active and involved in much more physical activity than the other group. So the amount of physical activity you do In your youth directly impact the lifestyle you're going to have for the rest of your life
0: well and brain development i mean that's how your brain develops i mean children play on the floor that's how they develop their brain right right. so you know the more even when you get older too movement has a big part in like keeping your brain healthy and people we've just taken that out of our lives i mean you know, 30, 40 years ago, you would have been active as part of your life. And now you can just sit on your couch and have the food delivered to your door. You don't have to do anything for it. And we're going to pay, you know, we're paying already and we're going to pay a steep, steep, steep price for that. And, you know, your point about specificity. Athleticism is what you need to develop in young athletes. I mean, you look at the greatest of all time. Gretzky could have played baseball or hockey or lacrosse, you know, um, Peyton Manning was a good baseball player. Tom Brady was a great baseball player. You know, Patrick Mahomes could have gone, you know, played in baseball. You guys like Dion Center. Athleticism, you can always get better at being skilled later. But once you get out of that younger window, athleticism becomes much more difficult to develop. And we're focused on developing these skills instead of building the, the bottom of the pyramid. And the reason the United States can get away with it is because we have such a huge... numbers. Yeah, huge numbers. That's why the Soviet Union had to develop their conjugate system, because they lost their entire alpha male population, you know, essentially in the battle of Stalingrad. So they had to come up with this system of finding what works best, building a foundation, putting kids in the sport that their body type and their mentality is driven towards. Right. I, I remember listening to Charlie Francis talk about this constantly. He's like, I'm looking for certain traits as a sprinter. Mm-hmm. you know um and and they'll force you'll have these kids they'll force these kids into sports that one their body structure isn't made for and two they don't have a mentality for but because that's the sport they got put in when they were six years old well that's the sport we're going to play yeah. you know it's just it's totally upside down and backwards
1: mm-hmm. yeah anyway so it's it, it's the worst thing is it's actually starting even younger and, and I actually did a presentation at can fit pro of all places, like the, the left, the leftist leaning part of training in Canada. And <laughs> my presentation was it was on child development, yeah. how to take someone from childbirth to athlete. And it was called your kid sucks and it's your fault. And the main point I was driving is that modern parents are essentially not parents at all the tv is the parents. it's a sur- surrogate
0: yeah parent. the screen mm-hmm.
1: so and the problem with that is first you never spend time actually learning motor skills that's the first thing uh, but even worse is that it reprograms the brain because modern televisions which yeah we we watched television when we were younger but it was not the same type of light being used to like produce the the, the image on the screen now the modern screen including the laptop the cell phone uh, TVs, laptop, all, all emit blue light, which is a very, very strong dopamine stimulant. It essentially yes. has on your brain level, the same effect as sex, as sex or or chocolate. So it becomes very addictive. The biggest problem is that and we even see that in adult, but at least in adult, if your brain is formed, and you overdo the blue light thing by spending too much time in front of screen, if you do like a one to two week blue light fast, so you stop watching screens, you will resolve the situation. But with kids, because the brain is not fully formed yet, you can actually make your brain permanently desensitized to, to your own dopamine, Yeah. because now you're bombarding the developing brain, which an amount of dopamine stimulating blue light that it cannot normally handle and it readjusts itself. So now your own dopamine production that comes when you are achieving a goal for example because that's the purpose of dopamine is it's it rewards you when you accomplish something useful so that you will be looking to do that again in the future it's a survival neurotransmitter but now if you accomplish a goal if you win at something you improve yourself the pleasure response that should come from that is not even strong enough to create that pleasure response yeah so that's why we have a younger generation who has no resiliency the moment something gets hard, they stop trying. Look yep. at like the relationship issue. I mean, if you the, the young generation, if they are in the, in a relationship for longer than three months, that's an exploit. The moment the, they get into the job market, they are asked to work 40 hours a week. They'll change jobs. Yeah. So, so it's it's the moment it gets hard because the the reason is not because they're lazy. It's not your it's not their fault. It's their parents' fault. Because the over reliance on television and screen from a very young age completely made them resistance to their own mechanism that promotes a resiliency and drive and competitiveness.
0: Well, there's a reason why guys like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs never let their kids play with phones. They sent them to Waldorf school, right? Mm-hmm to, you know, and, and, you know, not only the blue light affecting, um, you know, artificial light affecting dopamine, but it also affects blood sugar. You know, I, I've done experiments where I've eaten a stack of pancakes outside, um, you know, in the sun and taking my blood sugar. And then I've eaten that same stack of pancakes indoors and my blood sugar was almost twice as high That's under like fluorescent lights as it was eating it out in the sun. You know, so as humans have moved more of an have an indoor more lifestyle, and you got nitric oxide from sunshine, you know, blood pressure, you know, ED, erectile dysfunction, yeah, yeah. you know, as cultures around the world have moved inside the diabetes, the high blood pressure, all these things have have gone up. And the worst thing about the screens, there's nothing worse than getting dopamine for free, right? Right. You know, that's right. why things yeah. like cocaine are so dangerous like i i saw that and i was just like i can't do that because i'll be doing it all the time yeah. you know dopamine needs to come with hard work and then oh. you have the you reward know, system. yeah yeah and and then you have the combine that with chronic low testosterone you just have no drive to do anything at all you yeah. just you basically just sit in front of a screen all day and drink energy drinks and that's mm-hmm. essentially what we've got
1: yeah yeah and that, that's that's so important people need to do it's it's a reward system and why would you work hard for something you can get from a fast food meal, a pizza, a chocolate? Right. Now you have, on top of that, you have obesity because you have physical inactivity. Right. Uh, so you're becoming literally larvae.
0: Right. Well, I, I have a feeling, how long do you think it's gonna be before we both get burned at the stake for like <sighs> saying there's differences between men and women? And uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's coming quickly. I, I hope,
1: I I hope we you, have- You'll get problems <laughs> way before than I do because I'm perceived as a good guy. Right, because
0: <laughs> you, you have an accent?
1: <laughs> Probably, I mean, French guys are, are all, always nicer, that's a fact.
0: We well, yeah, and you have friends. the way to, you, the French can kind of romanticize you yeah. know, themselves out of situations, right? They're very
1: good talkers.
0: There's a good charmer,
1: yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I'm not a good charmer, otherwise I would be more successful with women. But I mean, under certain circumstances, I'm pretty good at getting myself out of jam, but, yeah. it, it, but it also goes back to what you were saying earlier when I, I always present the pros and cons, which yes. actually probably like really hurt me financially. Sure. So, because what, what makes money is pluralizing opinion. That, that, that's what that is correct. The is at. Uh, so, and I just can't be that person. So, so my own personal beliefs is obvious. I, I, I don't know uh, one strength coach will not say that women and men are biologically biologically different they yep. each have their own skill sets it's it's yep. literally two different species yep. i mean just from a, an evolutionary standpoint like for example from a vision standpoint like uh color blindness tend to be more rampant I- I- in uh, in men because when we were growing up like when we were growing up like during caveman days and stuff evolving, like that evolving yeah, yeah, evolving <laughs> and then women were in charge of making sure that nobody got poisoned and died. so they need to they needed to be a much better able to recognize threat from the food they were eating from stuff like that whereas men or more were more big picture guys out hunting and having too many distraction can actually make them less efficient at hunting yep. so that's one evolutionary adaptation uh but yeah i mean anybody with words is solved that understand how physiology works Knows that there's two
0: yeah. sexes. Well, and and you know, it's interesting. Women also have to be more sensitive to the environment, so they can pass yeah. those adaptations of what's needed to survive in the environment right. to the next generation. Hundred
1: right? percent. And people
0: don't understand what our modern world is basically creating. It's creating this monster of, uh, you know, empty calories. Um. You know you the the body's basically these women are eating these, you know highly processed foods with low low you know, low micronutrients. and the 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 body is saying,, well, we're starving to death, but we have to so obviously we need to create an organism that's really good at at handling stress. So it basically creates this organism that that basically lower metabolic rate um you know high ability to handle stress because it thinks it's starving because it's Mm -hmm. getting too many calories but it's not getting any nutrition yeah and so we We end up with these.
1: but undernourished
0: yeah and so it's just it's the complete opposite of what we've been wired to do forever and ever and ever and it's just uh it's just insane and and you know i'm not saying we all need to go back to like uh you know living around a campfire but you know we've got to understand what our biology needs to thrive Right. And, and getting outside more and being more active and then be, you know, moving every day. These, these are all super, super important things. You know, we, we talk about Jim, you know, I, I slept on Jim's floor for a year in like 2000, uh, right before he started writing 531. And, um, you know, I there was a time I would always call Jim when I would kind of, you know, in the mid 2000s, I was so over, I was like, what do I do next? Like, what certification do I take next? And I got on the call, a call with Jim. And, and he said to me, he said, look, Laird, like really honestly, like, I think he had talked to Martin Rooney and Martin had told him that he used like maybe 10% of his total knowledge on a daily basis, working yeah. with clients, even guys in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, Jim was like, dude, just be the best beginner coach possible. Like yeah. most of the people you're working with, you know, housewives, moms. And I actually like training women more than I like training men, because a lot of times with men, it's about ego with about Literally. unless it's young unless it's young guys like 14 15 yeah. and then it's more about mentorship. Women respond so much better to mentorship than they do intimidation. 100%. If you can teach them and mentor them and that's more my style. I I mean I can be that gorilla if I need to be. Um but I don't like doing that. I, I it takes too much energy. I would much rather teach, mentor, be supportive. Uh that's more my coaching style. So 95% of my clients over the last you know, 25 years have been women and everyone else is fighting over the football players. And I'm like, I'm going to take this lady who's a housewife who can come in three to four days a week. I'm not competing with other coaches for her. Nobody wants to train her and I'm going to get her to lift weights and I'm going to get her better results. And then guess what? I can choose the athletes I want to train instead of a lot of my buddies who, you know, took a loan out to get a gym. And they're so desperate for clients. They had to take every athlete that came to them, regardless of whether they were compliant or not so it's um let me ask you this to finish up like if you have somebody that's that's in that's buried themselves you know you have a woman she's done carnivore keto she's in a bad place she's not sleeping like how do you dig somebody out of that hole
1: well i think that the first uh, that, that's somewhat of a long answer or long long solution yeah. uh, because it's it's essentially reprogramming a lifestyle Right. Right. Uh, probably doing first doing more low stress physical activity. That Absolutely. would be the first thing I would do. I mean, and the, the example I always come back to is they did a study on the Amish people. Mm -hmm. And what they found was despite the fact that they were eating what should have been a huge caloric surplus because they were eating, the average calorie intake for men was close to 4,000 calories, for women it was close to 3,000 calories or even a bit more than that. And it was large amount of of butter, large amount of lard, uh, and even decent amount of sugar because they would actually eat the sugar, But, but they were so physically active. Right. They were taking an average of more than twenty thousand steps per day, and that's on top of the hard physical labor they were doing. So, and they took the body fat percentages, and the men were all under ten percent. The women were all under eighteen percent, which is actually fairly low for women. Uh, and they were not training, but they essentially almost looked like athletes because they were they were working physically. People should not under forget that training is essentially artificial physical work.
0: That's yes, correct.
1: So, uh, so uh, I think that, uh, and again,
0: I've joked about this for years, uh, mm. not to cut you off. I've joked about opening a farm mm. and charging sure. people to work on it.
1: It, it, it. And it would actually probably attract tons of like I hand Hollywood types. Yes. Because
0: uh, <laughs> that's essentially what we've done. We've replaced, yeah. we have more gyms now than ever. Yeah. Right. And we've got more obese people than ever. We've we've replaced low level manual activity. And I talk about this all the time. And people look at me like I'm a nuts. Yeah we've replaced mowing the grass and, and and you know building your shed in the backyard yeah. with going to the gym and yeah. it just doesn't that low level daily activity especially the amish they're outside all the time they don't have fake light yeah you know so they their circadian rhythms are all in order all that, that good stuff that's the you, other you thing cannot right? you cannot replace low level daily manual activity with
1: intensity it no. just doesn't work it's not the same type The probably right. is that the high intensity work which I believe is needed for like peak function, correct. But it's a dose relationship. You, you cannot just like I'm going to compensate lack of low end stuff with more high end stuff. So when yeah. I when I'm, for example, if somebody is, and I'm going to use more like bodybuilder ish as an example, but not bodybuilders, like just someone who wants that type of physique, right? Uh, but not using anabolics and stuff like it, just get leaner and more muscular. And let's say that they are in a phase where they want to get leaner. Okay, uh the first thing I do is decrease the amount of lifting they're doing. Because you your body will not have the resources to handle as much physical loading. But we are compensating by increasing physical stress elsewhere, like low end physical activity. Yeah. And I, I know that all coaches talk about that nowadays because like the number of steps you're taking is now the, the big trend thing to do, big yeah. trend thing to do. But but it, honestly, it's it's actually more than that. It's not just the amount of steps you're taking; it's the physical activity you're doing while being active. I can do, I can walk in my uh, my living room and get ten thousand steps. It will never have the same impact as working outside, doing yard work, uh, walking with the dogs, walking the kids. And I also bring you you brought up the circadian rhythm thing. I believe that most sleep issues are due to the fact that people are too late seeing the daylight every day. I agree. I believe that it's called Zeitz it's, it's external signs that initiate internal processes. So when you first see the light of day, it initiates your body clock. And mm-hmm. let's say that we have roughly 16 hours of awake time, or it takes 16 hours before we get into that rest and relax mode. Well, if you start that at 6am, then at nine ish, then you are ready to go to bed, you're, you're, you are in that relaxed mode. But if the first time you see daylight is 1 p.m. when you're on your lunch break, for example, then that's when your clock starts. So when you get home and it's midnight, you're still not in rest and recovery mode because your circadian your clock is not there yet, so you'll fall asleep at 2 or 3 a.m. Yep. So that's that, a simple routine. And that's something that I've been working on more when I work with a guy named Alex Mm -hmm. Kickle, He was adamant on every single day, as early as I can, I watch the light. And when you go to bed, you watch the moon. So that that actually tells you it's external signs that initiate internal, internal processes. Now, obviously, if you are, well, you're lucky, you're not here anymore. But in Canada, sometimes it might not be possible to see the light of day in the morning, but then you can use red light therapy
0: well and that's the thing traditional cultures you know they have sweat lodges they'd have saunas you know the northern you know of course that's why i like the Inuit and eat more you know fatty things in the winter um you know and and they yeah, and sleep the they world. sleep more they hibernate essentially in the winter time, so yeah
1: and during the summer as you mentioned, and you actually mentioned that earlier and i was having this conversation with a friend of mine and he mentioned that in the summer month our insulin sensitivity is much higher that's so that, ironically most people when do they diet down they diet down in the summer mm-hmm. because they want to get look good for the beach in right. reality that's when you should actually be eating more
0: that is correct and in the so originally the way it works is as the UV light goes away and there's things like squash and things like that that are still available yeah your body stores that as fat to prepare you for the winter right. and right. guess why everybody goes on these like uh you know, the the New Year's, New Year's revolution, that would be when you would be starting to get at your leanest from a yeah. traditional culture yeah. standpoint. Yeah. You're trying to store as much energy and as much fat as you can over the, over the winter time. And then as you, or over the summer, and you get into the fall, you store tons of body fat to survive the winter. January, February, you're gonna be at your leanest because you're getting into those extra resources. Right. And the cold uh, helps kind of optimize your hormones and make yeah. you more sensitive. And then the whole process starts up over again. It's kind of like the bear. Yeah. The bear gets diabetic over the summer, mm. and then heals its diabetes through through basically fasting over the yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hibernating, right? Yeah. So we we've created this artificial world where you can eat a pineapple in in Quebec City in the middle of January, right. and it, it it really doesn't match up with it, you know. And we've created this world where it's essentially summer, you know 24, twenty four seven all year round. Yeah. Um, and it really doesn't match with mitch, mitch, it doesn't match with our biology very much. And most right. people, it goes way over their head, you know.
1: I mean, again, we, we, I don't want to go all Liver King and say that you need to go back to ancestral roots. I agree, but, but, but yeah. certainly you do need to. I mean, just—I don't want to say be a man. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but, um, just, just do more stuff.
0: What we tell people, you know, we start people off like. Three 10-minute walks, the stand efforting thing. You know, take some breaks, go to the park, get in nature. I I always say to people, like, what I'm doing right now, I do the majority of my work on my pool deck. Mm. Right. Before, I was in my gym from 5 in the morning to late at night, and it just about killed me. Um, Use technology, but don't let the technology use you. You know, yeah, yeah. so you want to have as you know, I still mow my own grass. I'm still, you know, I still go for walks constantly during the day. Right. So there's a there's a way to have the best of both. The, the, the problem is, is it's human nature to chase the most convenient. You know, like Wally. You know, the 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 character Wally, where you're just right. sitting in a chair with a tube, and you got your virtual reality glasses on. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where we're going, and we're gonna have to make conscious parents, especially. There's gonna be a huge difference between kids that play outside and basically learn. Without screens and kids that learn with screens and are in a classroom all day, yeah. the different it's going to be like two different species of human. Yeah. So the question is: Is what are you going to choose for you and your family? And yeah. and um, you know that's that's the battle that we have: is how do you live in this modern world without it totally destroying your biology?
1: Correct, correct. And again, I think that it's it, it's a lot about balance. Like with my kids, uh, they were not allowed to watch any screen before they were four, uh, yeah. three. Uh, and, and even now, it's like never more than uh, five minutes. So yeah. I, I go with like, your, your age in minutes, so my, let's yeah. say my youngest is two minutes, or so the longest she can have is two minutes, my my son is five. Um, but it always needs to come with physical activity first. Correct. Uh, so, and, and, yeah. so so it's, for example, he, he will, you know, we will go train. Uh, he's 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 five now, but he was four. He was doing power cleans when front squats and stuff. like that. I've seen that.
0: that. Very good. Impressive.
1: And then we started boxing. Now, you uh, wanted he actually asked me to buy some boxing gloves and heavy bags. That's and awesome. We started boxing here. We, it's funny because yet, yesterday we were and that, that challenge because we were at the beach was like literally like 36 degrees and we we're boxing outside. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, I, one thing I really like about like the, when you mentioned the walk, uh, I really like Stan's recommendation of like every time you eat, go for walks. I mean, if, if you just do that, it does so much good first from a digestive standpoint, but also for the fact that it actually makes you think, Do I really want that food? Do I need that food? Or is it because I'm bored? Right? A lot of people eat out of boredom, or because they just want some feeling but if you know that you, you will have to do something physical afterwards then you can ask yourself I mean, do i really want that do i really need that right. or is it just something because i i want to eat because i'm bored That's the well it thing. helps
0: avoid that big blood sugar swing and you oh, and i both yeah. know if you've got your blood sugar swinging all over the place it's going to be hard for you not to become a human vacuum cleaner yeah you know um so, you know, all these basic fundamental habits, they, they, they just basically check off so many boxes. It's just people, people always want to look for HRT or peptides, yeah. or and those things all have their place, right? They just even with athletes, they want to they want what's the new fancy drill? Well, can you can you dribble with both hands? Well, no, well, you probably should work on that before you worry about crossing it over and like yeah. doing a reverse jam dunk, right? Um, you know, people all the human nature just wants to go go to fancy.
1: But that's why we, you look at the European baseball player, basketball players are now kicking the U.S. ass. Yeah, because well, they yeah. are about work, about basics. Same thing with hockey, right? The, yeah. the, 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 you look at in Canada, in the U.S., the skill level compared to like European hockey players, it, it's, it's, it's really, really bad. Baseball, same thing with the Dominican Republic and the U.S. guys, because they value motor skill first. here it's about competition first
0: well well, even even the soviets like if you look at the way the soviets look at their their weight training schedule you know off season we're doing gymnastics we're doing ping pong we're doing whatever and and they go you know the russians the the eastern european block they go to world champ uh, junior world championships and they lift the weights they want to lift and they don't care about the result correct you know the americans are like you know they're winning the world juniors and they're like yeah and the russians are just sitting back smiling and go yeah but we'll be ready for you at the Olympics, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, these, these coaches that are winning the eighth grade, you know, baseball state championship, none of those kids end up showing up, mm-hmm. you know, when it really matters. Cause they're all burnt, you know, yeah,
1: it's, it's we put wrong. such a
0: huge emphasis on learning. Yeah. I mean, on winning, as opposed to learning right. and athletic development, like we got to win in the eighth grade, like why these kids are still developing. They need, they need to learn and play I and mean, have fun.
1: There is no systemic approach. Uh, and that's the worst is with coaches. Because you're gonna have let's see, it, let's, let's say hockey or football, whatever, it doesn't matter. But if you work with young kids, the coach is a lot more, uh, let's say, about himself than the kids. He should be about the kids. But I want to prove that I'm good, so that I can coach at the next level, then coach at the next level. So the coach himself has a goal, and the only the way he thinks or the way the system rewards that is by winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you got the win now attitude, which leads to much worse performance. And Tudor Bumpa compared that, that, that approach, like you, you, you're focusing on being the best right now versus investing for the future. Uh, and yeah, the people who were focusing on winning right now and were more specific to their sport uh, were better until the age of 15. And then after that, they gradually evened out. by By 18, it was pretty much even. And then afterwards, it became reversed. Those who were less specialized and more focused on overall, holistic development, uh, were much better. And that's something that people also failed to understand about the Russian system, is that not only was it a physical education plus sports system, it was an educational system. Great. They spent time explaining. They had classes about physiology about biomechanics, about sport, about everything. So that's why many of these guys actually make good coaches as yep. opposed to the U.S. and Canada. The best players rarely or never make great good coaches. Right.
0: Well, they're just so gifted, you know, and and the, the people in the U.S. system are just highly adaptable and highly survivable. They just they just were the freaks. That's the only reason yep. they get there. That's like Canada and the Europeans. They don't have the the, the gene pool to pull from that. The United States does. You know there's only so many seven footers in Canada, so you actually have to develop that seven footer. You can't just smash them because there's no one to replace them if you break them. Correct. Um, so it's uh you know, we, we've gone well over today. We usually do, which I have no surprise over. Um, you know, it, it it's it's great to to chat with you. Um, you know, it, it's really it's really interesting just how dogmatic our business and industry has become. And it's really refreshing to hear someone like yourself. And like, like you said, you know, you could be much more profitable, you know, being like the Liver King telling everyone to just eat organ meats and testicles and you're going to look like me, which is actually not primal. It's really funny.
1: I wrote an article about that. I
0: know you did. I know you did.
1: Like what actually like Roman soldiers, what do you look like? Yeah. yeah, Greek soldier, what do you look like? Like that's not even
0: in a survival situation. I think we'd be okay because we're not like ridiculously super physiological. At least I'm not anymore because I'm not using what I used to use. Uh, But guys like that that are ridiculously super physiological, those would be the first ones to gas out and die. Like you look at hunter gatherer tribes. They do not look like the liver king. Like it's it's too metabolically expensive. Um, You know, and you cannot look like that. Swollen vascular physique does not come from eating a carnivore diet.
1: Skin (laughs) being red is also a dead giveaway. (laughs)
0: yeah just
1: slightly but
0: but you know I, and and i you know i would rather sleep at night and make a little less money and 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 do what's right than uh than have a fat bank account that's just me personally yeah, but you know as, good long for, as
1: long as my family has enough to have a decent life then yeah. i'm good i agree
0: well christian tell us tell people where they can find you i mean christian has all sorts of great books great yeah. resources he's all over the internet uh, tell people where you can, they can find you. And well, uh, well, I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you. Uh, it was on, well, testosterone nation or tnation.com first. I have over seven articles, 700 articles there. I also have my own Q&A forum. So anybody who wants to ask me a question can visit there. I have my own page at tbarmie.com. And if you want to find me on social media, just you is going to find pretty much everywhere. Uh, I do have uh, some live Q&As often on my Instagram when I do my cardio. Well, it's not really cardio, it's just me walking on a treadmill, but still it's better than not doing anything.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely breaks up the boredom of that. And I love those. I, I get on those every once in a while and watch. And you know, it's it's insane the number of, of questions that people ask that are just like, really? Are you, well, are really? A lot
1: of people just want to ask questions.
0: Yeah. Like they
1: just I want to ask something because I want him to pay attention to me. Right. Right. Right.
0: Well, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages of the internet because, like, when we, when we, you know, Muscle Media 2000, you know, people like Dan Duchesne, Charles Paul Ian King, you know, all these, you know, I was getting most of my information when I was in high school from, you know, Flex or Iron Man magazine or
1: Iron Man was pretty
0: good. Pardon me?
1: Iron Man was pretty good. Yeah. From
0: Iron Man. And, you know, I, you know, I read, you know, all of Dan's stuff. I read, you know, Ian King, you know, all those guys like Dan John. You know, there was limited information you learned a lot from, you know, but I learned in the in the late 80s as a bodybuilder in Edmonton, there's a gym called Mass Appeal. And the guy was a pro bodybuilder. His brother was a type was a pro bodybuilder as well. And he was a type one diabetic. And they were they told me like back then that managing insulin was the key, like Mm. insulin was the key this, you know, and, and these guys had figured it out decades before everyone else did. Right. And so there's that learning through experimentation you would try things and do things now there's so much information out there it's almost
1: paralysis by analysis right also the problem the difference is that like back when we wanted to learn something yeah, we actually had to make an effort to learn correct it. read a book uh go to a seminar talk to an expert which you had to actually reach out because there was no internet to connect right yep. nowadays people learn in bits of 30 to 90 seconds so so the, the we have Guys, young guys who have a, a, a wide amount of knowledge, but that it's like one inch deep. They have yeah, no no, but, yeah, yeah, and no knowledge. practical
0: application either. Correct, correct. You know, there's a huge difference between having head knowledge. I mean, I've been to I've been to seminars with people with multiple PhDs that couldn't teach someone how to squat. We couldn't correct. coach them. Like, just didn't know how. Uh, I'll I'll give one example and we'll we'll sign up or one kind of story about the athletic development stuff. I was at an NSCA seminar. I can't remember where, but they had a big roundtable of all these like great high school coaches. And there was these two high school coaches from the same state. And they basically were like, this is coach such and such. He's won the last 20 high school state championships. And in the same state is this other coach who's got, you know, these accolades. And the, you know, the high school championship guy is kind of smiling and snickering. And the other guy, the guy who basically didn't had any high school championships, he starts laughing. And then the moderator goes, why are you laughing? He goes, ask him how many Olympians he's trained and how many of his kids go to college and, and swim at the next level.
1: Yeah.
0: The, the The state championship guy puts his head down. He's like, none. <laughs> and the other guy had like, national champion collegiate swimmers all these high level college swimmers multiple olympians and he's like i don't care about winning now he's like i want to develop these kids so they're the most successful when it actually matters because right. who cares about how good you are in high school if i destroy them and burn them out so they don't have the ability to go to the next level right. you know what what am i doing as coach
1: right absolutely that's a good story
0: well Mr. Thibodeau, have yourself a wonderful day, sure. and uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. Go check his stuff out. His Q&A on Instagram is great, so follow him and uh, and get on there, so have yourself a wonderful day, sir. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and don't forget to get outside.